From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. Um, we are in uh, Genesis chapter 16. Ah, well, let's go ahead and go into Genesis 16. So we are in Genesis chapter 16, and we are into the story about Abram, Sarai, and Sarai's maidservant, uh, handmaiden, uh, Hagar. They picked up Hagar most likely when they were in Egypt. Uh, Sarai wants to have a son or a daughter or any progeny with Abraham. There's no nothing coming along. So after 10 years, um, Sarai comes to Abraham and says, listen, it's not happening with me and you. Why don't you have a child with, with Hagar? And Abram's like, okay, I can do that. And we talked a little bit about yesterday about how this is just never a good idea. I know that it's, I know that it was part of the culture and all that sort of thing, but I, and maybe I'm reading more into the culture than I should, but, um, I, it certainly was perfectly acceptable and legal to do this with your slave. Um, if you did this, the, the child of the slave could become a child of the household. He could be a, you know, he could be transferred over. He could be the, um, progenitor to receive all the inheritance uh, all of that would be available and was certainly you know available to Abram but God had promised Abram that he would you know have a son and that that son would be his heir uh, and we you know with Sarai and uh, so you know God God promised that Abram kind of said well you know I'm not sure it's been 10 years I don't know and so he goes ahead and um, has a son through through Hagar. So uh, as we move into this story, it is probably helpful just to spend a little bit of time to try to find out what, you know, one of the things you may wonder about is about, about these servants or slaves in a household, how many rights did they have and that sort of thing. And so we started into this paper yesterday. I'll just really quickly show it to you. Uh, Nope, where, let me think where that would be, right here? Yeah, all right, here we go. Slave Systems of the Old Testament and the American South. And this is a paper of this guy named Nathan Anderson. He published it a few years ago. Um, and it's basically the Old Testament slave laws established a threshold level of humanity and dignity, which the Israelites were obligated not to cross, whereas the Southern slave system negated the existence of the person evidencing a total devaluation of humanity. So it's really interesting just to go through and, and look at how it was different with the different, um, you know, different ways you could get slaves. So I just want to really go through this a little bit. So uh, the word slave is used in the Old Testament text and it's a term often misunderstood by contemporary readers of the Bible, which is us, because contemporary readers seek to understand the biblical slave system by overlaying a modern definition upon it. So what he's saying is that you can't look at slavery in the Old Testament and immediately do a one-to-one -one transference of what we saw as slavery in the South in the pre-Civil War. That's two different systems of slavery. Uh, and he's going to go into why they're different um, and how they're different. 
So um, we'll go back. Uh, modern readers of the Old Testament may equate modern notions of slavery with the forms of slavery practiced in ancient Israel. Such modern notions of slavery are heavily influenced by the American Civil Rights Movement, the American Civil War, and the African slave trade, and have recently experienced a public revival of sorts via dialogue regarding slave reparations. So, um, you know, because of this dialogue that we're having in the country about, you know, the descendants of slavery and whether or not they should have reparations from that. Uh, there's a lot of discussions about it. Of course, right now in our country today, there's lots of people seriously pushing back against uh, even the United States, saying that the United States was founded as a racist nation um, and all those sorts of things. Uh, but this guy is just talking about slavery. Uh, and in that, he's going to do a, a deep dive into slavery in the Old Testament. And then he talks about slavery in the Deep South and he compares them. Uh, we could go through all of that, but I think for us, it is just helpful in this paper because he really lays out how slaves were obtained and how they were treated. And it is certainly very, as we go into Genesis, we just really should, uh, it'll be very, very helpful for us to go forward with an understanding of what slavery was uh, in the Old Testament. And so there's no better way to do that in this short paper. So uh, we'll go back into that. So there are Ancient Near Eastern laws. So the ancient Near East is the Old Testament. The Old Testament texts clearly reveal that slavery existed as a vibrant Israelite institution. The Code of the Covenant, Exodus, the Holiness Code, Leviticus, and the Deuteronomy Code collectively provide much of what modern scholars know and understand regarding the legal rules and regulations of slavery in biblical society. These texts, however, fail to adequately explain where the slave tradition in the Old Testament originated. Considering the Israelites viewed themselves as the subjects of harsh Egyptian servitude, it is somewhat surprising that slavery existed as such a dominant aspect of Israel society. And this is true. Um, why would the Israelites have, and it, you know, it, they had them uh, as being slaves themselves. Why would they ever propagate that type of thing? Uh, and the answer is going to be described in this paper. Okay, so what factors contributed to this irony? How is the institution of slavery transposed from a harsh institution into the societal norm? Many scholars suggest that the slave traditions of neighboring ancient Near Eastern societies may have significantly influenced the conception of slavery in ancient Israel. Thus, before the Southern and the Old Testament systems of slavery can be effectively compared, it may be helpful to identify how ancient Near Eastern slave laws influenced the sources, legal status, and treatment of slaves in the Old Testament. So he says, sources of slavery in the ancient Near East. Much of what modern scholars know regarding the laws of ancient Near Eastern societies comes from ancient law codes, which one scholar described as academic treatises on law expressed in causistic form, rather than the legislatively enacted legal codes familiar to contemporary society. So what he's saying is that, you know, today we have a really rigid understanding of laws, you know, what you can do and what you can't do and how you treat people. But what he's saying the laws of the ancient Near East are just more like codes. Um, they're, they're not to the extent 
that we have in the society today. Another scholar referred to them as enumeration of case decisions around a series of themes with the purpose of serving as a guide to judges. Regardless of the exact purpose behind these law codes, they serve as an invaluable porthole into the legal and societal, social world of ancient Near East and perhaps help to explain the origin of certain Old Testament slave customs. And here it is. There are four, essentially four general ways in which slaves were acquired in the ancient Near East. All right, so this is good. Let's see what he says. First, the majority of slaves were most likely prisoners of war or chattel slaves who were carried back to the capturing nation to work manual labor. So this is probably the majority. He says the majority of this is, listen, we're going to come in. We're going to capture your, our country is going to capture your country, our land. We're going to capture your land. Uh, probably have seen this throughout history. Uh, and when you capture, you have two choices, right? You can, one, kill everybody that you're capturing. Otherwise, if you don't kill them, then they're going to lay claim to the land or the property. Uh, or you give them a choice. I'm not going to kill you. I'll give you a We're this. second. Wow. But you're hearing me. Oh, okay. Well, let's see. How do we fix this? Hmm. So my wife just came in and said that you are seeing uh, the something. I'm not sure what you're seeing, but we're going to try. Let's see. Huh. Hmm. 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 Uh, well, um, let me think about this for a second. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Let me just get my phone out. Okay. Uh, cause you should be seeing the document that I'm seeing and I'm not sure why, but we will figure this out. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. So while we're doing this, I'm just going to, um, I'm going to, uh, you're seeing that? You're seeing this? Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. All right, I think we got it figured out. Sorry about that. Ha! I don't know. Uh, I don't know what is going on. This is so strange. Um, I think what happened. Uh, well, I have no idea. But anyway, all right. So we'll pick it up. There are essentially four general ways in which slaves were acquired in the ancient Near East. First, the majority of slaves were most likely prisoners of war. We talked about that. The second source of slaves was that of the debt slave. Debt slavery was often limited by specific duration of anywhere from three to 50 years. So if you are a debt slave, uh, basically you would sell your, you could sell yourself into debt slavery 
or perhaps if you reneged on a debt, uh, you would uh, sell yourself into slavery or whatever. You could serve three to 50 years as a debt slave. You might sell your children into slavery and you're, you know, because if you can give your children up, maybe you can get some money from that. Horrible, horrible way to do that. Uh, but uh, that was the second way. <clears throat> the, let's see. The third way uh, was to be born into slavery. So such slaves could have been the offspring of a union of the master and the slave or of slaves. For example, the Code of Hammurabi provides that a child born to a slave woman and a father by the slave's master does not inherit with the master's freeborn children, but may be freed upon the master's death. So another way to uh, have slaves is if you actually impregnate your your kids, uh, or if your slaves have have children and they would become part of your household. And then the fourth and last way is free persons could become enslaved by breaking the law. So, uh, for example, the law code of Hammurabi provides that where a negligent farmer had managed to flood the whole district and did not have the means to compensate all of his neighbors for their loss, the neighbors could sell the negligent farmer into servitude and divide the proceeds. This type of law was pre presumably an equitable remedy necessary to compensate the surrounding farmers for the man's breach of contract. So um, that uh, would be another way that you could be sold into slave, you know, to be a slave is that you would have, uh, you know, they would force you into slavery because you were negligent or maybe you broke the law or something like that. So now you have four different ways of becoming a slave. Now, what were your rights if you're a slave? Well, he talks about that a little bit also in this. The legal status of slaves in the ancient Near East. Introducing every aspect of a slave's legal status is beyond the scope of this analysis. Nevertheless, there are several important aspects of a slave's legal status that reveal what a slave's day-to-day -day rights were in comparison to his or her ancient Near Eastern master. Generally, the slaves in the ancient Near East were chattels and could be sold, pledged, hired, given as gifts, inherited, and forfeited. However, some scholars assert that debt slaves and famine slaves were more protected uh, from alienability than ordinary chattel slaves due to the rights of the redemption. So this is important. It depends on how you became a slave as to what your rights were. So for example, if your uh, slaves had children, they would be your property. Uh, I mean, like if your puppy dog has, you know, puppies, those puppies are your property. You can sell them. Um, you can transfer them to someone else. You know, you get to say what they are. But if somebody sold themselves into slavery or if they were a debt slave or whatever, and it's just a debt that has to be paid off, then there's an agreement between the slave and the slave owner that at some point the debt will be paid off, the agreement's over, and you're going to go back as a free person. And as such, then, as a free person, you had more rights uh, as, as that type of slave than if you were just a chattel slave. And um, I think that that is a very important distinction because we, we've seen all throughout history uh, I think even in England, they would have people who would go into debt servitude, right? 
they somehow would work up a work up a debt. Uh, they couldn't pay the debt, and so they'd have to sell themselves into slavery to pay off the debt. And I think in England, you know, there was a lot of laws about that as to about how those people were to be treated because eventually someday they would go back into society. And I think it's, I just think it's fascinating because I, I, I wonder if that is a, a bad system. Um, I know that, you know, we have this major overarching uh, uh, repulsive reaction to the word slavery because we think of the horrible, and it was horrible, uh, these slave traders would go over to Africa. They would just rip these young people you know, people out of their homes. They would put them on slave ships. Uh, it was illegal at one point, and so they would kill them and drown them and whatever, but they'd bring them back. And, 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 and there was no rights whatsoever. They were completely chattel. Um, and yet, you know, there there is probably in the history of, of humankind, there might be a reason when you might want to uh, sell yourself into slavery, like maybe it's your last option, and you see no hope for yourself. I mean, we see a rise of, um, you know, suicide here in the United States and across the world. And I wonder if, you know, instead of saying, listen, instead of killing yourself, why don't you, you know, sell yourself into slavery? I mean, I, I suppose there are people that want to kill themselves because they've uh, maybe accumulated, you know, debt or maybe they've... Um, uh, you know, done something so egregious in society that they think that there's no redemption from that. And maybe being able to sell yourself into slavery as a redemption for that might be a better option than killing yourself. But, you know, these, we've tried so hard in the United States to create programs uh, and systems to where people can feel free to do that. And just not everybody avails themselves to those systems. Um, I, I, I'm repulsed by slavery that, you know, going to Africa and getting, you know, slaves and bring him here to the United States. But I'm, I'm not necessarily repulsed into finding ways to, um, to allow people to work off a debt uh, to society or to work off a debt, uh, you know, that they, you know, that they raised up or something like that. I think that's a I think that's a better solution actually than maybe some of the solutions we have here today. I don't know. But but I don't even know if it's even possible today to have even discussion like that. There's so much um I don't say baggage, but there's so much uh really strong feelings about this topic of slavery in the United States particularly today. Uh, that it may be a hundred or two hundred years before, and, you know, about that time, maybe maybe nobody will ever have to work again, right? All the work will be taken care of by by uh, artificial intelligence and machines and something like that. So maybe this conversation doesn't even need to happen. Um, but anyway, so that is uh, basically a little bit of a primer on slavery in the ancient Near East. There were four ways to become a slave, and depending upon how you became a slave, you either had decent rights because you're going to go back into, you're going to be exited as a free person from slavery, or you had no rights whatsoever because you're going to remain a slave, you know, until the day you died. And your children are going to be slaves, uh, and your children and children are going to be slaves, and all that sort of thing. So, uh, which I, I, I just fundamentally disagree with 
having you know chattel slaves I, I think that is a horrible horrible system um, but then again where did most of the chattel slaves come from it was from conquering nations and so your choices I mean given a choice between okay here's your choice you uh, and your children are gonna be slaves forever or I'm gonna kill you it's your choice <laughs> um, you know self-preservation Immediately, you might say, you know what, I, I'll take that, I'll take the slavery option. But when you do that, then you're also condemning your children, you know, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, and all of those people to slavery for the rest of, you know, you, your generations are going to be condemned to slavery. Do you really, would you really, do you have to weigh, okay, the joy of having children uh, and some progeny, or, or death. <laughs> I mean, th those are the difficult decisions that they had to make 6,000 years ago. We don't have to make those decisions today, but uh, that was, uh, um, it's, it's a horrible thing, slavery is. And uh, very interesting paper uh, that I'm, I found online. I didn't write it, but I'm very glad that the guy did. So that's a little bit of background on slavery. Hagar is the slave, the Egyptian slave who has Ishmael. And once she has Ishmael, then there's a problem in the Abram household. And I guess we could get into that right now, but I see by the time that we've already gone a little bit. I'm so, I think what happened was that um, for some reason there was a blip in the internet on my side. And what that did was that kicked me out of Facebook and it was asking for my login again. So I logged in and as soon as I did, it seemed like the, the whole connection was made. But because I wasn't logged in and it kicked me out, it was just staying on one screen. So uh, I'll do some investigation. This happened, you know, I've been doing this now for what, four or five months. And this is the second time where I've had a hiccup on Facebook. So I would say, it's a pretty good platform, but it's not a perfect platform. So I apologize if that threw you for a loop, but I'm very grateful that somebody came in and shared with me that it wasn't working and we were able to get it fixed out. So, uh, and you're also welcome to text me too. Um, that might be another way to do it. Uh, well, uh, why don't we close in prayer and then we will, um, we'll talk about tomorrow. Dear God, um, we thank you that uh, you have redeemed us, that we are not slaves in your kingdom, but we are your precious children. For that, we thank you and praise you. Lord, there's still so much dissension in the United States and across the world because of the impact of slavery and slavery law. Um, we pray for your healing there. Be with us until we meet tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen.